0: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Sunday afternoon, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at bottomguncoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my new book. It's called You Have the Watch A Guided Journal to Become a Leader Worth Following. This is a guided journal for leaders that will walk you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you will reflect on a different facet of that theme. This journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are just like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. And this journal helps leaders practice those critical skills. So if you're interested in learning more about and pre-ordering this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com and every book pre-ordered before March 31st enters you into a giveaway. Now, we have a grand prize in this giveaway. It's a hand-carved wooden American flag from the Sasquatch Flag Company. And we also have other prizes like a rock case humidor from the Warfighter Tobacco Company, a $50 gift box from the Sheepdog Soap Company, a $50 gift card to Chin Up, Chest Out Apparel, another $50 gift card to Forebear Clothing Company. We've got five winners who will take away a pound of coffee from Bottom Gun Coffee, and we have two winners who will get uh, an opportunity to get the White Arrow by my friend uh, Noble Brown. So get your pre-orders in before March 31st if you want to take advantage of this special offer. And again, you go to youhavethewatch.com to get that pre-order in. Now, if you're looking to support what I'm doing on the show, you can purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com, and podcast listeners can use the discount code DEEP at checkout to get additional savings. Well, that is it. Today, my guest is Bill Ringel. Bill is a business growth expert. As CEO of LearnWell, he helps business leaders find ways to take their businesses to the next level. This was a powerful conversation about the critical role that leaders play in business growth. Now, every leader who is looking to grow their top and bottom lines needs to listen to this episode. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Peep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bill Ringle. Bill is CEO of Learn Well and author of the upcoming book Grow Business Now. He is a nationally known business growth strategy expert. He's also a CEO coach, speaker, author, and angel investor based out of Philadelphia. He is the host of the top fifty business podcast, My Quest for the Best. Now, this is a show for ambitious small business leaders, and he's had guests on like Mark Victor Hansen of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, Barbara Cochran of Shark Tank, and New York Times bestselling author Dan Pink. He's also had more than 350 other top published experts on his show. In fact, I was honored to be interviewed by him, and it'll be appearing on a future episode. But I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about the role of leaders in business growth. So, Bill, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be with you, John. It's great to have you, and uh, it was fun being on your show, and I'm really glad that you were able to take the time to come, come and uh, visit us, because I wanted to talk about the subject of business growth, because that seems to be an area where you have a lot of expertise. So maybe you start off by telling us a little bit about how did you get into the role of or, or you know find yourself helping businesses with business growth?
1: My background is varied. It was never a straight path <laughs> to go from point A to point B. I didn't start in a small company and say, well, someday I'm going to be a manager, then a director, then a vice president, then a CEO. I always found myself in conversations with people and being able to offer insights. When I was a teacher, the headmaster and the business um, uh, manager would always pull me into conversations and tasked me with special projects. When I worked in universities, I became someone who the president had on direct dial to be able to run ideas by and ask questions. When I worked at corporations, I worked for Apple. I was someone who I was pulled into meetings and asked to join teams that were outside my job description because I, I found it very easy to talk to people and ask questions. It's not that I always knew the right answers but I knew that when there was something that wasn't sufficiently being probed or asked, I would be the one to ask the question. I would blunder in, ask the questions, and it would result in something being better. I remember one time at Apple, (laughs) one time at Apple, um, I liked making up new names for things. And my area of responsibility was going nationally. I was international um, program manager for worldwide training at Apple. And I remember one time thinking that the server bundle that we were offering needed a better positioning statement. So I I started asking people about what they were doing with it. And I started asking customers, asked the the internal product team. And I finally said to them one point, I said, you know what we need to do? We need to get this Apple internet server system online. And then I looked at them and I, I thought, did you just hear what I said? And I said, we need to get our AISS online (laughs) and they started laughing because of the acronym. And that became very popular. We had it on t-shirts and buttons and hats and customers thought it was funny too. It was just a a funny little perspective that breaks through the clutter and leads to better results. And that's what I found myself doing was as I was asked to do different uh, venture capital presentations I was able to assist the leaders in better positioning their companies. I was able to help them identify market niches where their technology might be more valuable and as a result, get a higher valuation when they went through the process with their investors. So I, I always found myself drawn into those conversations. So finally, I said, let me lean into it and look to help people more intentionally and directly that way.
0: Well, that's interesting. So where do you think that came from, the ability to just sort of see... Maybe to see the forest or the trees maybe uh, or or to be able to find those unique um, opportunities, if you will. See, I'm the worst person to ask that question to
1: (laughs) because I think everyone can do it. I think that everyone naturally thinks this way. (laughs)
0: Well that's that's fascinating. Now now you've got the you've got a company Learn well. What are the type of uh, companies that you work with? What are the things that you offer for services and you know what's your unique value proposition to to those uh, clients? So we serve the private
1: small and mid-sized business market and I I tend to focus on high technology companies. They could be in internet publishing, they could be in software development, they could be services companies. And, or they could even be you know, research companies that have a high degree of technology involved. And I could develop rapport with the senior management team pretty quickly and help them assess wh- what steps are needed in order to mitigate disasters or take advantage of opportunities faster. I always look at the way that businesses are structured and see what's working and how we could take it up a level or two. So for instance, you you work with, um, you studied with nuclear submarines, as I recall, Yes. <laughs> not currently, but that was something that was part of your background. Yes. One of my favorite um, nuclear subparticles is the Higgs boson particle. And remember, that's the subatomic particle that gives attributes, the attribute of mass to other atoms. And what my company does is it's it gives companies and helps introduce these qualities and characteristics habits and routines that make everything else function better mm. it helps people improve their communication holds their the hold each other more accountable i have an acronym i'm a, a former tennis coach remember i said this is never direct but <laughs> so I'm, I'm always thinking in terms of the vocabulary of sports and and how that can relate to people and i use the ace acronym now talk about What people need is to be able to think about alignment, clarity, and execution Mm -hmm. in order to become an ace company. And you need ace managers, people who have the skills to do that. And you've hired lots of people too, John. You know that if you listen to somebody delegate a task to someone else and they don't tell them when it's due by or how they're going to evaluate success you might be there to say, you know what, let's let's enrich that conversation a little bit. Well, that's what I do is I help people on a, a large scale learn to enrich their conversations, to add those tools in, to help in the areas of alignment, clarity, and execution.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, we talk a lot on the show that, uh, you know, leadership is about you know motivating uh people to accomplish a task right and so when you talk about alignment you're talking about getting everybody on the same page focused on whatever the task is clarifying you know clarifying the uh the goal if you will and then it's it's about getting getting people motivated to to execute on whatever that action is and you know it's funny it seems seems straightforward but it seems to be a thing that's missing in a lot of companies right so everybody's working on emails or they're working on landing a big customer account or they're trying to reduce scrap and everybody's working in different areas and not necessarily focused on one uh one goal or one mission uh for the organization everybody's out doing their own thing so i think alignment's a big part of that and being very clear with what what we are going to accomplish as a company and 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 i see a lot of especially when i worked in corporate you know i i spent 22 years in large corporations and the goal was sometimes often not clear you know it was murky at best every department had their own goals but you know what were we trying to do as a big company was was hard to understand you know as and, as and the way of... that you just moved your hands made me think how
1: often people have goals that don't line up and support larger goals of the organization right. and one of the things that i say is that everyone in your company ought to know that what steps they're taking today are helping you advance your business in measurable ways Mm. to make a stronger business by the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the quarter. And if you can't answer that with clarity, then that's an area that we need to focus on until people can see that every action they take, whether they spend half an hour first thing in the morning reviewing what their top priorities are, or whether they let email dictate their priorities for the morning. And let me just share with all your listeners right now, if you could put off checking email and you set up your culture so that people don't expect to send messages to each other via email or respond to email throughout the day, your productivity will increase dramatically by 10 to 20% within the first week. And it doesn't mean you don't communicate with each other. You may have a separate project management board. You may have something in, say, Asana or Trello or something else that's focused around specific tasks and assignments that we've worked on and agreed to already, rather than being at the whim of whatever messages happen to arrive that day and be sitting at the top of your inbox. I think email is one of the the biggest time wasters because it's not being used the way that it was intended to be used
0: originally yeah now that's you know we tend to do what's uh, ur- urgent and not important right and uh and also this there's a comfort zone in i'm going to bang out my emails and get to email zero right there's this sort of there's like I, it's like a false sense of accomplishment i i got i i cleared i cleared my inbox right well great you know your your company is losing ten percent profit, right? Shouldn't you be working on that first, right?
1: So or, or that customer's waiting to hear back from you so they can place the big order. Nope that their email was not in my top twenty, and then I had to go to lunch.
0: Yeah, so. right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We we do that a lot, and uh, we we tend to, you know, work work on what's what's in the now and what's comfortable versus what we really need to do. That's a big part of it. I agree. So you know and it's just, really taking your own it's you're
1: taking your own direction. And that's what I mean when you really step up to leadership. You need to set your own direction, your own course. What are the big priorities for the day, the week, the month, and how are the actions and decisions that you're making moment to moment contributing to that? That's yeah. what I want people to be asking themselves on a regular basis so it just becomes a background question that's always in your mind.
0: I love it. That's great. You know, you 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 work with small businesses, you you see you you see the same st- statistics I see. Why do so so many small businesses fail to grow? They sort of get stuck at certain levels and they have a hard time breaking through. What what are some of the reasons for that? Well,
1: I was just going to say there are a lot of different reasons for that. Let me point to some of the the larger and more common ones. Hmm. One is that the vision of the people leading um doesn't really lend itself to scaling a company. If that leader wants to be involved in too many decisions and becomes a bottleneck that will throttle the growth of a company. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way of doing that is a a way of stunting your own growth is to make sure that when you hire, you're only hiring people for specific present needs rather than hiring them with room to grow. Um, And then also, I think the third reason that I I think is very common is just a a lack of risk taking. Mm -hmm. Um, People saying, I've I've worked with leaders, I remember one leader (laughs) uh, whose name was Paul, he didn't want to borrow money. He thought it was risky to borrow money, yet he wanted to make investments. And he said, well, I'll do that when we've um, accumulated enough profit. Well, that was a three-year proposition where it could have been a 60-day proposition.
0: Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's a big, that's it. it, You're right. Risk-taking is, is a tough thing, especially when you're going all in, this is your business and you put a lot of personal money into it. You know, you want it to be successful and um, you know, you're trying to make the best, best decisions. I know when I came from being, 22 years working uh, for other companies and, and putting, using, you know, making decisions with other people's money. It was, it was a lot, I would say easier than being a small business owner and making decisions with my own personal money. It suddenly became real, right? Cause this is, this is not some corporate bank account. This is my bank account, you know? So things really do change. And so risk is, you know, for those who are listening and thinking I want to be an entrepreneur, you know, great do it, but just rec- recognize that the risks are, uh, are, are much more significant when you got when you're all in with your own personal capital
1: so I've, I've had businesses of my own for 25 years and I've had side hustles even when I was working for other companies. The, the day it became really real for me was the day that I had I did not pay attention to collecting. I had you know like 150 thousand dollars that was still in receivables and we came to the end of the month, and i had to transfer money from my own savings yes. to cover payroll yes and that's a moment that i think everyone who's a, a founder <laughs> and a business leader can remember very very clearly it's like oh
0: <laughs> oh, i've done <laughs> this it is how it works <laughs> yes i have definitely done it i've been been there it's just you know like like cash you know uh you know th- just the cash flow timing right you're just like well, wait, payroll's today and I'm still waiting for this big check to clear and uh, like, all right, well, (laughs) it's coming from my personal account. And um, yeah. And and I'm sure,
1: I I remember too, stomping up and down saying, why did they wait sixty days to
0: pay? I don't get it, right, right? Exactly. Well, it's your fault. you know, it's our it's our fault for not paying attention to the numbers and the details. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, one thing, one tip, business owners listening in. I have one person that's full- time just working on collecting cash. So she is a true asset to my business. So I encourage you to do the same. So make sure you're keeping track of those AR numbers. so, that's great. Um, so, you know, one of the things I'm interested in, you're, you're a growth expert, and um, and this is a leadership podcast. So I kind of want to get back to a little bit of, like, what is the leader's role in driving growth. You mentioned one that's really, really important. And I see this happen a lot where, um, especially with small business owners trying to get to that next level, is they try to control too much and they like you said, they throttle the decision making down to them and you can't you can't move as fast. So everything slows down, waiting for the the owner or the boss to make the decision. So, but what is what what are the other things that the leader needs to do to be able to grow uh, their business? So I'm going to go back to another
1: point that I mentioned, which is hiring people that are that bring more capabilities mm-hmm. to the company than you initially need them for. You want that you grow by hiring people that are brighter, smarter, more energetic than the current people. So that the average of the group goes up with each hire. Mm-hmm. And I know that people listening to this now is saying, well, there's not a lot of talent out there, but we really needed a person in. And I encourage you to communicate the need through your job description with such a level of specificity and excitement about the opportunity that it will, you, you need to take the risk of repelling people who would be adding to the number of candidates and attracting the person who says, oh, I want that responsibility. Let, yeah. let me take a little bit of a diversion to give some more context here. As a, a prep school teacher, where I was completely responsible for what I taught as long as I would make it to the end of the book at the end of the year. <laughs> I had complete autonomy in that class. I loved the responsibility of that. And it was one of the great preparations for being an entrepreneur. I actually came across a statistic that if you look at the previous careers of the most successful entrepreneurs, the most um, frequent Previous career of a successful entrepreneur is that of a teacher. Mm. And that doesn't surprise me. The organization, the being able to relate to people, be able to get them to get the assignments done, those are a lot of skills that you work on as a teacher. Now, Mm. I've taught at high school level, college level, grad school, professional education, a lot of different levels. So I know how to speak to a lot of different audiences that way. When you're looking to grow, you've got to be able to model the same way that you think of it. When, you know, when you were a junior executive or a manager in another company, you and I were both in larger companies and we would always be the ones looking to people in the room and say, they're the ones leading. You know, I I remember being in meetings at at Apple and I remember being at other meetings within um, universities and saying, those are the people who are leading and I'm watching them. Guess what? We're the ones that our employees are watching today and everything we do how prepared we are when we show up for a meeting, Mm. how we start on time. All these little things are being observed and digested as part of our company culture. And we've got to be sure to take responsibility for that. One of the things that leaders do is we acknowledge that we are 100% responsible for everything in our environment. Yes, If people are turning in reports late, Part of that is is because we let them, we allow that to be okay.
0: Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I always say that you know our maximum employee behavior is going to be our what our minimum acceptable level of performance is. So if we say well late reports are okay, you're going to get late reports. It's going to be just part of the culture. It's going to be part of the way way we do business. And I think. So we signal what our priorities are based on our actions, not necessarily by the words we say. And I think you hit the nail on the head: is that we are on stage 24 uh, seven, and every little thing we do is being observed. Probably even more than the words we say, they look at the actions that we take and what our priorities are uh, throughout our day and what's important to us and what's not important to us. All that is signaling, um, you know, the direction of the company, the direction of the boss. So. You know, some people say, well, you know, I don't want to be on stage. Uh, I don't want to be people be watching me every move I make. Well, then don't go into leadership because leadership is all about being on stage uh, and being that person that everyone's looking at. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat. Is right over there. It's at all in the same boatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets.
1: when we first started all meeting from work from home. And I remember managers saying, I don't want to turn my camera on because I'm not happy with what the background looks like. And I said, what if you just turn the camera 90 degrees? They don't have to look into your living room, have it point to a wall. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh my gosh, I could do that. But it's important to be on camera when you're having a group meeting. It's important to be visible you know, when we're meeting face-to-face. These are things that matter in every size business, and we all need to be aware of that so that we're helping facilitate and develop that level of the culture.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's great. You mentioned this, and I was just a quick question for you. What does it mean to develop leadership? I like that expression. It's something that we all have.
1: It's a responsibility of the leaders
0: to think about
1: the next level of bench strength.
0: Hmm.
1: It's Sure, you could get the job done by having Mike do it because Mike's done it a hundred times before. <laughs> what about if you let Mike mentor Patty and say, yes. Mike, who on your team, you know, could do this? And he says, Well, Patty's probably going to be able to do it soon. And then you say, Well, Mike, what would it mean to just mentor her, to coach her to do it? And he says, Well, it would take too long. And I say, it might take too long the first time, but how could you prepare her so that you could still meet? it? He goes, oh, well, I'd have to start sooner. Oh, okay. And then you'd be able to take a vacation, wouldn't you, Mike? <laughs> you always have to bring it back to what's the benefit? Because yeah. if you're indispensable in an organization, you never can get sick. You never yeah. can take a vacation.
0: Yeah, that's, that's critical. Absolutely. And I, I think you're right. And I think one of the things I saw at least in corporate is that we give our difficult tasks to our most senior people. And we, and because we want it, we don't have any cha- We don't have any time for failure. We don't have any time for anything going wrong. And so the young people, the new people, the people that want to be challenged that want to have the opportunities are never given those opportunities to grow. So I like what you said. Let, hey, Mike, let's mentor Patty. Let's let, let's give her a chance to do one of these difficult tasks at some point because People want to be able to step up. They want to show that they can add value. And if we just ignore them and don't give them those opportunities, then they they're going to look for other opportunities or places to go where they will be challenged. Employees do like to be challenged. I know it sounds funny, but they do like to be be challenged, and they will they love to contribute to the you know the, the growth of the company, the success of the company. Let's let's deepen that a little bit more, John,
1: because we're talking to business leaders and mm-hmm. we've all got people on our teams who are younger than us, who might be in their 20s or 30s. They thrive yep. on adding to their skill sets. Yep. And if you want people to hang around... You don't want to say, I'm going to give you less responsibility. The reason they're working for a small or mid-sized business rather than an enterprise is because of the opportunity, because they could be involved in projects and client meetings earlier in their career than if they were in an enterprise.
0: Yep. I really like that. That's that's really important. Everyone's listening in. I mean, that's That's, there are people that are in your business because they want to develop some skill or have some special experience that they're part of your team. So give them those experiences. Otherwise, they're going to go somewhere else to find those experiences. So yeah, I love that. That's really, really important. And and it's exactly what I've seen with my my company which is only 6 years old i've seen people come to us because they see there's a great opportunity to do something they couldn't do at a big company so and and developed some some interesting skill sets so yeah don't don't lose lose sight on that uh, especially Sometimes we think small business owners, well, I don't have as much to offer as a big company. Actually, you probably have more to offer than a big company because you get a chance for for employees to see the big picture. You know, everything from sales to marketing to engineering to product development, you see it all in a small company, which is, uh, you know, which is great. And You don't see that in a big company. You're kind of in one department or you're one kind of functional area. Right. But here you get to see a bigger picture. So, yeah. Don't, don't Let, let's also point
1: out to the managers listening saying don't wait to um think that your your junior colleague who's in his or her 20s is going to say i would like more responsibility yeah. first of all
0: yeah
1: they'll respond to a text faster than a conversation like that <laughs> second yeah. of all they can't necessarily articulate it but watch how they respond watch the energy that they bring to a new excitement a, a new assignment that Encourages them, causes them, demands that they stretch a little bit in order to rise to that level. There's where you'll see the energy and potential of that that team member.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love it. Um, you you um, you have said that uh, leaders need to develop a no excuses mindset. Now, what is that, and why is it so important?
1: Well, we could sit around if. if The business is not going the way that we want, and we're not having the sales that we want. We could find excuses to agree on, and just as a hard market, people aren't answering the phone anymore. We don't have the networking opportunities we used to, and we could completely justify our lack of success in any area. However, when I come into conversations and I say, well, let's listen to that for a little bit. And now that it's on the table, let's put it aside and say, what if we took 100% responsibility for it? And then they start to say, well, if we did that, then maybe we'd have to develop new ways of reaching prospective customers. And then I simply say, well, what would that look like? Well, we'd have to proactively call them. And I say, well, what would make that easier? Well, making a list in advance. I said, well, you could do that, couldn't you? Well, yeah, no one's ever put it to me like that before. <laughs> and it's just helping people take responsibility to achieve the results that we've already agreed to, but without the blame, without the giving up responsibility, because that's really what happens. Whenever we blame someone or we blame external circumstances, we're actually taking a piece of our power and handing it over. Oh, you know, I, I, I really don't want to take responsibility for this, so I'm going to put the blame over there. Right. We really once we start to take 100 responsibility as just a, a fundamental starting point, everything changes.
0: Yes, I love it. Um, you you say that habits are important as well. So what are what are one or two key habits that you've seen? You've you've met with a lot of people on your podcast. Uh, you've worked with a lot of really interesting people. What are one or two th- uh, key habits that high performers? put in their day that they do on a regular basis that we could all learn from?
1: So I would say that the one thing that stands out the most during the past couple of years are people who develop the habit of saying, I'm someone who could learn. Mm -hmm. I'm not just, uh, you know, come in with a fixed skill set, but I can learn. It's the attitude of being open to learning, and Carol Dweck has talked about this extensively in being growth-minded versus closed-minded, that's one of the things that impresses upon me the most, is when somebody has the attitude of being able to grow and adapt to the circumstances. The other thing is that a lot of the habits, you don't want to look for the new and unusual in an area that's so well-covered. Go back and read or reread the seven habits of highly effective people. I make sure all my clients are very versatile and skilled and conversant in the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. Not because he was amazing in writing these ideas or coming up with them, he wrote a great summary and added some great stories and Mm -hmm. put them into this framework that works really, really well. If you want to boost your company, Start reading that and discuss a chapter a week in order to get make sure people are really using it effectively.
0: That's great. That's great. Great book. And I think it's a great recommendation. Absolutely. Isn't that <laughs> funny? Everyone who I mentioned that title to, I've <laughs> never, ever,
1: ever had somebody say, Oh, I didn't get a lot out of that book. <laughs> it was always, <laughs> no. That's a great book. That Everyone remembers reading that book.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and 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 these are, you know, like even, you know, um, like a book like The One Minute Manager, you know, which is old now, it's been around a long time, but man, there's some really great nuggets of wisdom in these books that, I mean, that book sold 23 million copies. There's something special about that book. It's a small book, easy to read, and, and um, don't think that it's because it was written 20 plus years ago that it's still not effective today. Same thing with Seven Habits. That is still, if you look on Amazon, it's still one of the best-selling leadership books uh, today. And it was written, I don't know how many years ago, but it's still in that top uh, 50 category all the time. Cause I'm always looking. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Especially as authors, we're always looking. So Let me point out that when everyone listening goes to talk about one of the seven habits, say, Oh, be proactive. You want to say, be proactive because this is how I find that I'm at my most effective. Mm-hmm. I start my day and I think about what I want my day to contain, I, what people I want to contribute to, the projects I want to advance, how I want to make a contribution and deepen the relationships that I have at work, at home, and my friends. Most thinking of how I'm going to prank my friends, you know, <laughs> just do fun things. Um, say from your personal experience, it's important. You're never going to get the same amount of authority by saying you should follow be proactive, start with the end in mind, begin with the end in mind, put first things first because Stephen Covey said it, or right. it was a best selling book. Do right. it from your own personal authority yep. and you get so much more out of it.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, perfect. I love it. Um, tell us a little bit about your podcast, My Quest for the Best. Um, it's a top 50 uh, business podcast. Um, yeah, like who is it for and what are the kind of guests that you have on the show? So I'm really
1: pleased that I have 350-something podcast episodes out there. Over 80-something percent of the podcasts that start, even though there are like 2 million podcasts now, over 80% never get past their 20th episode. So when people can get over that Twentieth um, episode, you've suddenly discovered a system. You've developed a routine. You've clarified your audience. There are a whole bunch of things that come together once you've gotten to episode twenty-five or thirty, and I'm sure you've recognized that as well. Um, you're in that club, John. You you know it's like being the fifth time hosting Saturday Night Live. We've got the jackets, <laughs> right? And people who I have on my podcast, I was very clear right from the beginning that I wanted to have on published authors mm. because then I could read their book. In advance, come up with good questions and find ways to make their expertise relevant to my audience. And believe me, like every podcast um, host, I knew my audience intimately when I first began because I could have them all sit in my living room. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, it exactly. starts out
1: very small, yeah. and you you know you say now, what did you think of this one? And I, I would hold my own focus groups to find out what they thought. And even today, if somebody writes in. First of all, we make sure that when people leave a comment, um, the first person to leave a comment and send it in for the week, we send them a, a book and then we draw at the end of each week and send them a book of you know one of the, the guests that we've interviewed because it's a way of building that relationship. And then when they write and say, thank you, I say, hey, let's chat. What did you really like about the show? And I find out so much through those conversations.
0: That's great. Yeah, no, that's really good to seek feedback because, and that's the same thing with our businesses, Right only way we're going to get better is to seek feedback and look for ways that we can get better. So I like the idea of, of interacting with your audience and finding ways that you can serve them better or, thing, or and finding the, the things that they like about the shows. I think that's a, that's a really good piece of advice. That's great. Um, and um, yeah, I mean and the show has grown tremendously. How long have you been running the show for now?
1: So it's probably been about 10 years. But only about three years ago did I say, I'm going to step it up and make it a weekly show. Before, it was once a month, and you know I'd have a couple episodes ready. Now, I am three months in advance with the episodes wow. that I'm recording today so that I can take a vacation, so that I can say at the end of a season, we're going to take a little break and give my team a chance to look at our SOPs and review those and,
0: and work the process. That's fantastic. Great advice. Um, you've got a new book coming out. I just want to mention it real quick. And um, it's called Grow Business Now Follow the Path to Proven Market Reach, creating superior products rapidly without delegating, without delegation headaches. So tell us a little bit about what the book's going to be about. Hopefully, the
1: subtitle says a lot about it How to Grow Your Market Share and How to Do It Profitably mm-hmm. and To Do It Without Headaches, because This is one of the things that business leaders, managers come to me all the time and say, Bill, they're not doing what I'm telling them to do. Mm. (laughs) And I say, are you really telling them? Show me what it's like when you've delegated. And there are a lot of checklists that I use. And I say, here's how to become stronger at delegating. And I've developed a little quiz around it so that people realize people pretty much learn to delegate based upon our experience of our managers delegating to us and our bosses as we've grown up, and people will fall into a type that maybe sometimes they're mind you know they're mind readers and they want their staff to work to anticipate that. And it's such a wasteful. That's just one of the five types of delegation styles that I've found. But let me just say this: that if you're a mind reader, and you always you know as you tell people a little bit, but you want them to guess the rest or divine it somehow, it's a tremendous waste of energy. They're working so much harder to figure out what you want than if you just simply expressed it to them. Let me share an example to you. One of the phrases that I listen for when I'm, I sit in on executive meetings, project meetings, and I listen just as an observer so that I can coach the executive team more effectively. And if I hear somebody say, I'd like you to review this um, and get back to me, that sounds like a really reasonable request when it's actually a horrible request. Mm. Because when you say I'd like feedback on that, you really don't know what to read for. You really don't know, are you looking for grammar and you know flow to the proposal? Let's say it's a proposal. Um, or are you really looking for ways to expand it and to strengthen it? Are you looking for the fit? There are just so many questions that um, aren't answered by a simple request like that. And it happens, over and over again in businesses day in and day out. Yep. So I say to people, really be clear about what you're asking for and tell you to them, I want you to look at this for no more than an hour. And when we come back and meet about it, I want you to talk with me about whether you think this scenario works to solidify this point. Or maybe just say, go over it and then send me um, a message or leave me something in the Google Doc saying that you've reviewed it and that it will meet the requirements based upon your reading of them, if that's their responsibility. Be super, super clear and also specify, I don't want you spending any more than an hour on this or you know, maybe two days to do the research and come back, but be really clear as to what it is you're asking someone to do because you might have a young employee on there, someone not with a lot of experience who is looking to impress you, and maybe all you want to do is know whether you like the angle that they've been photographed in for a product and they go through and do two weeks of research that could have that energy and time and talent could have been spent in a more productive capacity.
0: Yeah, that's
1: actually happened. <laughs> that's
0: oh, actually yeah, yeah. happened. Yeah, it's 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 a chapter of my book, my latest book about, you know, being being clear with communication. So, there's nothing worse than, you know, a, you know, an employee completing a project that they thought they did correctly and find out they did the exactly the wrong thing. It's frustrating for the employee, it's frustrating for the boss. So, being clear up front, it will save you a lot and following it up early on Uh, is a lot better than uh, just waiting to the the last minute or waiting to the end and find out he did something wrong. that's very frustrating. So, yeah.
1: And let me me add to that, John, because people listening to this now may think that conditions haven't changed Mm. and yet they have. We used to always jokingly say, well, can't go in the printer room because someone's printing off resumes because they're looking for new jobs. It's not that obvious now. People could be asked... You know, if they're interested in pursuing jobs and if, if they've had a, a recent experience or even just a, a, a memorable bad experience in the last few months of being asked to do something with bad parameters around it or bad support or bad feedback in order to feel successful, like they're making progress and developing in their career with your company, they have opportunities at their fingertips and you'd never know. Mm. So keep that in mind, always that you're in competition to maintain your talent and bring the culture, make it a priority to improve how you communicate with people, delegate, assign responsibility, provide feedback and support people so that they know that they're contributing in meaningful ways every single week. Don't let a week go by without that kind of conversation.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Absolutely. So and we and you mentioned the book will be out later this year is that correct?
1: Yes, I anticipate it being out later this year
0: in 2022. Excellent. That's great. So now where can listeners go to learn more about you and find out more about your business growth, insights and and learn how to become better leaders? Where can they go?
1: So first thing I'd do is encourage them to connect with me on LinkedIn. Look for Bill Ringle, you'll find me there. Second of all, subscribe to the podcast, My Quest for the Best. It's the podcast for Ambitious Small Business Leaders, and there's so many great episodes there. If you have questions about which ones to listen to, let me know. I'd love to make a personal recommendation. And third, just for your listeners, John, I've set up a special page. If you go to growbusinessnow.com forward slash deep leadership, include that in the show notes. Yep. We have a special page set up with tips about how to be a more effective leader.
0: That's fantastic. And we will, we'll put, uh, we'll put links in the show notes for those uh, three resources. And uh, yeah, I really highly encourage you to, uh, to look, uh, look up uh, my best, uh, my quests for the best uh, podcast. It's a great podcast. Um, And uh, we'll, we'll be talking about a lot when I, when my show gets aired. And so I really highly encourage you to look at these resources. Uh, I think that um, we've learned some really good things and I really appreciate Bill, you being on the show and sharing Uh, really a lot of insight towards uh, business growth and, and really leadership, and I really appreciate you being on the show.
1: It's part of all of our responsibilities, no matter what our title is in a business, John, and it's such a pleasure to talk with you because you bring your experience and perspective that gives it such a great fit for everyone listening. So thanks again for having
0: me. Well, thank you. Thank you. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.